I'm a trial lawyer. I'm a uh, University of Tennessee grad. I like to think of that as God's university. It's why the sun rises in the east and it's orange. You know, as my dad used to say, he said, boy, I want you to get that education so you get uh, the money to hunt and do some of the things that you want to do. And so built a practice here in town. And after 33 years of it, getting a little bit of time to take some trips that I, I call trips of a lifetime, things that I wouldn't have ordinarily been able to do. And I've been blessed by meeting some really nice people and getting those opportunities. A lot of people dream of hunting in Alaska, which we're going to talk about today. Not everybody gets to do it. So it's cool. We're going to hear the stories today and kind of live yes. through you on some of these adventures. Well, I've got to bring this up before sure. we get into the hunt. Go for it. Have you ever had a better dressed guest? I have not. I've heard he's won quite a few awards for his attire. I don't know about that, but put it to you this way. When I'm out in the woods or I'm out fishing, you know, that's kind of my undercover look because they nobody going to recognize me. You know, I mean, I got my hunting gear on. I got my cap on. I'm on the down low. I'm enjoying what I like to do. The award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We're glad you're tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. we got a great show lined up for you today. We're still in Knoxville, Tennessee, right outside of Knoxville at the John Severe Hunter Education Center, and I'm glad Matt Cameron's having us here and helping me co-host. Yeah, buddy. We always love having you here in, in God's country and Big Orange country. Yeah, go Big Orange. Glad to be here. It's uh, it's awesome to be in East Tennessee in the fall. It's the best time of year, best place to be. Uh, we're going to talk about big game hunting today. It's going to be a We'll be kind of all over the place today. We got Mr. T. Scott Jones, attorney here in Knoxville, and excited to have him on the show. Thanks for being with us. Oh man, I tell you what, man, it's an honor to be asked. I mean, this is kind of like a, a boyhood dream as a hunter and a fisherman. So it's big stuff. Very cool, very cool. Well, you have a radio of your show of your own, and, and a lot of stuff going on. We'll get into all that today, but I, I appreciate you being here. It's going to be fun. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Uh, radio station for today. We appreciate our radio partners. Uh, I'm going to jump a little bit further south from Knoxville today. W JSQ 101.7 FM uh, out of Athens, Tennessee. We appreciate our radio partners, and that station carries the show. Uh, Wildcast on Saturday mornings at 6 a.m., and Wildcast Extra is our daily show at 6 a.m. So every day of the week, uh, you can catch us uh, at least a five-minute portion, and by the end of the week, you've heard the whole show with those extras. So we, we appreciate the, our radio partners and uh, all across the state, but especially today, Athens Station, WJSQ 101.7 FM. So Is that where you're from, that area? Yeah, it's right across the, the hill from Decatur, Tennessee, where I grew up. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to be on the station down that way. Heck yeah, making the hometown proud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you haven't, while we're talking about it, I'll go ahead and plug a show from the past, a show with Chris Hennessy, country music artist, big game hunter. Uh, grew up there in Decatur as well. We did a show with him, so if you haven't heard or seen that one, go check it out. It's a good one. Yeah. He's good. a fantastic musician. I yeah. got to see him up in Bristol way back when. Um, Earhart's Philip Earhart. He used to work for us, now works for the National Forest Service. But his family owns property right next to the Bristol Motor Speedway. Mm -hmm. It's a gold mine, as you can imagine. It's a <laughs> campground, but Chris Hennessy would come and play back then in the campground, man. So yeah, I've been following him for going on twenty years, I guess now. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. He's fun. Well, Scott, I appreciate you coming on. Like we said, you're a big game hunter, attorney here in, in Knoxville, but just 
give us a little bit of uh, history about yourself and kind of how you came up in, in the outdoors and, and grew to love hunting and fishing here in Tennessee. Well, you know, I've got sort of broad generation gaps in uh, my family. My dad always grew up, you know, hunting and fishing and everything of that nature, and so believed in basically indoctrinating us early. So, uh, you know, we, we started uh, shooting early, you know, obviously uh, familiarizing ourselves with firearms and uh, fishing and everything of that nature. Grew up no cridge, and so fortuitously I was real close uh, growing up to the Oak Ridge Sportsman Association. Okay. And so daddy would uh, take me out there, and, uh, you know, I guess I – I started with a uh, BB gun at age five. I had a 22 at age seven and a shotgun at 10. And uh, albeit, I, I don't know uh, how much success I was having, but I was having a lot of fun. And I think probably more than anything else, I was building that relationship with my father and a lot of respect uh, for the outdoors and understanding that, you know, uh, obviously nature gives to us and we got to get back to nature by respecting nature. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we say it a lot on the show, but, you know, uh, our fathers, our grandfathers were big influence on us, you know, and, and a lot of cases, uncles. And then in this day and age, a lot of moms and, you know, mothers and stuff are, are a big influence on getting getting us outdoors. But that's pretty cool you have that with your dad. Well, you know, when you get out there and you're enjoying that time, I mean, those are the memories. I mean, I, I have those distinct memories of just sort of snippets of times with my father and uh, being out there. And I mean, I'll never forget. I mean, you know, sitting out there uh, on the lake down at Watts Bar eating Vienna sausages out of a uh, out of a can eating saltines and thinking, you know, I was, I, that's like a filet mignon to me. I was just glad to be there with my daddy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the the. Uh, lunch of choice i guess for a lot of fishing trips and hunting trips <laughs> it t- takes and keeps and you can uh, stay uh, stay full so um give us a little background on your on your work here in knoxville what you do uh well, I'm a trial lawyer. Uh, I'm a uh, University of Tennessee grad. I like to think of that as God's university. Go and, big on uh, Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, it's why the sun rises in the east and it's orange. So we know all good things uh, start with the uh, bright color orange. But that being said, uh, you know, I, I went down to undergraduate in uh, Atlanta at Emory, came back up here and went to uh, UT's law school, started practicing in 1990, and have been here uh, ever since. And, uh, you know, as my dad used to say, he said, boy, I want you to get that education so you get got uh, the money to hunt and do some of the things that you want to do and so uh just basically built a practice here in town and uh you know now uh knock on wood after 33 years of it getting a little bit of time to uh take some trips that i I call trips of a lifetime things that you know i wouldn't have ordinarily been able to do and i've been blessed by meeting some really nice people and getting those opportunities yeah yeah it's uh, a lot of people dream of of hunting out west or or hunting in alaska which we're going to talk about today you know getting out of the state of tennessee but uh not not, not everybody gets to do it so it's cool we're going to hear the stories today and kind of live yes. through you on some of these these adventures well, I, I tell you what it's like I, I look back through my pictures that i have on my phone and stuff you know and it, it, it's like other folks are like hey, i want to see these pictures i mean my, my mine's gonna be all these wildlife pictures on my phone like <laughs> hey you see this and you know I, that's what i enjoy i mean a lot of my pictures are game that I've seen that, you know, it's just neat to be out there observing things. You know, I was in Nashville uh, yesterday, and I was at the uh, Parthenon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sitting there. Uh, I had was killing a little bit of time, and here's this squirrel on this tree doing this, and I've got these pictures filming this squirrel on a tree in the middle of Centennial Park in downtown Nashville. So uh, just the appreciation sure. and the observing things, I mean, I, to me, that's cool. Appreciate yeah. you bring that up. This is a man that's, that's hunted and killed moose, um, killed elk. Yep, absolutely. Going on a caribou hunt. 
he killed mountain lion, but he sat there and recorded a squirrel on a tree in downtown Nashville. <laughs> so I, I appreciate you saying that, brother. I've got to bring this up before sure. we get into the hunting sports. He's got plenty of them. Have, have you ever had a better dressed guest on the show? <laughs> I have not. I've heard he's won uh, quite a few awards for his, for his attire. Tell us about your <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know about that, but, you know, as they say, a blind squirrel finds a few nuts, and so that may have been it. But my daddy used to always say, he says, son, they're going to talk about you. And so we'd rather have them talk about you for being well-dressed than poorly dressed. So I, I take great pride in it, and uh, I've been recognized a few times for that. So I'm, I'm very, very blessed uh, about that. But let's put it to you this way. When I'm out in the woods or I'm out fishing, you know, that's kind of my undercover look because they ain't nobody going to recognize me. You know, I mean, I got my hunting gear on. I got my cap on. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on the down low. I'm enjoying what I like to do. I'm sure it's press, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Now, he's got a, what, now, how about your we, 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 We've got that dead down scent. And now, I tell you what, I mean, you know, shameless plug. You know, I got one of them heater body suits. Oh. And, I, you know, where we hunt up in Illinois a lot, we got some leases up there. It gets cold. And, I mean, it certainly gets cold in East Tennessee. But I, when I saw the advertisements for that thing, I thought, you know, is that thing really that big a deal? And so ordered wow. one for me and my son. And, I mean, you know, I got the bigger. It's like a wigwam. I'm in there, and I'm good and warm. I, I love that. So you mentioned your son, uh, and I don't think we touched on it, but uh, you're passing your love or for hunting on to your son? Absolutely. You know, uh, both my son and my daughter, they're, they're both uh, outdoor folks, and uh, my son has been hunting with me quite a bit. Uh, he's now matriculating uh, in Nashville in law school, and uh, so he works full-time for the state. He works for the Tennessee Secretary of State, okay. and uh, he's in uh, law school at the uh, Nashville School of Law, goes to law school at night, and my daughter just graduated law school, and she is now uh, practicing with us. She's finishing up her licensure uh stuff uh, as we speak and so uh you know we i, I love being outside with them doing mm -hmm. doing stuff because hopefully i'm creating the same type of memories that my father created with me yeah. and they'll remember you know when the old man's dead and gone that you know he spent the time with me because you know it doesn't matter how much money you got mm -hmm. it doesn't matter anything else materially but at the end of the day the one thing you can't buy you can't buy time and you can't buy those memories yeah that's well said that, yeah very much so so before we get into these stories, uh, we were chatting before the show, and and you mentioned that you play by the rules. Uh, Absolutely, you know, you, uh, it's and safety is is number one, and and you took hunter safety right here, correct? Nineteen seventy nine. I actually pulled my card out. I mean, that's not just you know talk. I mean, legitimately was here. Man, my dad came over here. You know, of course, obviously it would have been an age that it wouldn't have been required for him to have taken it, and uh, you know thought it was so important to impress those rules upon me. I mean, not only for safety, but also so that we preserve basically it for generations to come. Mm -hmm. And I think any true hunter observes and does his or her dead level best to hunt within the rules, to fish within the rules. And the rules are there, I mean, not only for the hunter or the fisherman's protection, but they're also there for the protection of the very nature and the wildlife that we're out there enjoying. Right. Yeah, to protect that resource. Absolutely. Well, you, uh, we were chatting, and, and you mentioned the tack line story, you know, playing by the rules. <laughs> it, it could... 
you can easily mess up, right? Well, you, you know, can you I, share that story. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> embarrassing. You know, I was hunting up there in Illinois, and you know, we'll be looking on the, uh, if you will, the onyx and everything else, uh-huh. and we'll be looking, dropping, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you will, points. You know, and so I'm up there with my guide. He's a friend of mine. He's like, you know, Scott, you're going to be hunting in this area. I'm like, okay. You're going to pull your car next to uh, this corn silo, and then you're going to walk in. It's about a mile and a half in, mm-hmm. and says, when you get close to this fence line, that's going to be these tax. Lines. Well, you know, of course, got my headlamp on. It's about four o'clock in the morning. I'm following. I'm just following this tack line. Well, evidently, there's another tack line there close by, <laughs> and I got off on the wrong tack line. And so, of course, you know, all of a sudden, there's a there's a there's a stand. So, you know, I climb up there and I get all locked on and using my safety harness. I believe in those two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that being said, those those hard falls they can end your life. And I mean, that little bit of safety. That's what you do. So I'm all strapped in. So I saw a lot of lot of deer moving and everything, but just nothing that I was in a position where I was going to take or was of such a uh, sufficient size that I felt like it'd be suitable. So I'm back at the lodge that uh, night, actually, uh, Jeremy's house, and I'm like, I'm talking to him, and I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm sitting there, and there's that stream there, and he, he says, Scott, there ain't a stream. I'm like, yeah, Jeremy, there's a stream. I was hunting it. I saw it. I know what a stream is. <laughs> and he goes, oh, God. He says, He's on the neighbor's property. <laughs> I legitimately didn't know. I'd gone yeah. in with a headlamp, and, you know, I mean, I, you know, did I? I don't know. Hopefully the statute of limitations broke on it. I didn't shoot anything, so I, I was a wildlife observer that day. Yeah. I, I was not a hunter. I, well, I was appreciating nature. Yeah. It can happen, and, and play by the rules and, and do what, you know, uh, do what you can to be correct but it happens you can, well, you can you get know, off track or something. all those little safety tips think about it you know what i mean you're going to step over a fence or whatever yeah. load your weapon just do it the right mm-hmm. way i mean don't don't try to take that shortcut you know what i mean you climbing up the stand with your rifle loaded yeah. why what's the purpose of it i mean you know how many times have you had that just snapshot climbing up a stand holding on with one arm with your rifle? it ain't gonna happen <laughs> so just play by the rules yeah yeah Speaking of not playing by the rules, we got to bring up the Dutch Valley elk because he's very passionate about this on a personal level. That really bothers me. I tell you what, I mean, seriously, I mean, a a blind man could tell the difference between a whitetail and an elk. I mean, there is such a disparity in size. I mean, what's the purpose in doing that? And then beyond that, I mean, even having such a hard time understanding somebody making that kind of mistake, then to just leave it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Uh, you know, that being said, I hope you folks get that individual. I hope you prosecute him to the full extent of the law because that is ruining it for everyone else. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. Uh, you know, this this show, uh, they may, we may find them before this show airs. I don't know. But, yeah, just uh, – if you if you hear a tip or know something about that, share it with us. We'd love to track that guy down for sure. Throw it out there real quick. On October eighth, but it was a Sunday. We were received a call about a bull elk that had been shot with a crossbow bolt in the Dutch Valley um, area of what, what county would that be there? Uh, that's Campbell County. And I don't I don't know oh, if it's, it's Anderson, Campbell Anderson, Anderson excuse County, me. You're, you're right. It is Anderson. Getting off track there. So anyway, left it laying there and we're looking for uh, information about that. There is a it's up to four thousand dollars now a reward from Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Cora, which is the Campbell Outdoor Recreation Association, mm-hmm. uh NWTF chapter up there and the Tennessee Wildlife Federation. So anyway, really good reward there. We want information, one eight hundred eight three one eleven seventy four. If you've got any information about that, pass it along. That bull was probably they say 
17 years old. The locals had been watching this thing forever. Wow. Okay. Lived a pretty easy life so they can live longer mm. uh, up there eating, waddling out there in the field, getting fat and happy. And his antlers had started on the downhill because he was so old. Mm. He's past his prime, but uh, just sad that that thing had lived that long and somebody just, just dusts him and leaves him laying. Wow. Terrible. Yeah, I didn't know that. That those some of those facts. I appreciate you sharing that, um, Matt. Which uh, which adventure do you want to cover first? Well, I've been thinking a lot about this. <laughs> I, I want to keep Alaska to the end because it it fascinates me. And there's there's a quote. I think it was a John Muir quote that said, "It's better to see Alaska as an old man because if you see it as a young one, you won't appreciate anything else because it is it's beyond from what I understand anything else that." is on the face of the planet you've been there on a cruise mm -hmm. my man that's hunted there so let's keep alaska okay just, we'll finish with it my man here's hunted mountain lion and is it nevada or nevada well i don't know i say nevada <laughs> but you know what i mean it, it, it uh it was a uh, it was quite a hunt i mean it was uh it was an adventure uh in and of itself as i indicated uh the uh guide that i decided to use and you know if you're unfamiliar with territory i mean reality of it is you know get you somebody or help orient yourself so that you know what you're doing and uh he was a um, national works for the federal government uh wildlife tracker uh, out of uh, Utah and we hunted with him in Nevada and he would uh, utilize his time off and we hunted utilizing dogs and we were fortuitous in that we had gotten a uh, dusting of snow. There was snow on the ground but we got fresh snow and you've really got to have the fresh snow to spot the tracks to even have an idea where to turn the dogs out as far as for them to pick up the scent and uh, you know when you're sitting there hunting with hounds I mean you, you better be physically in shape because mm -hmm. those dogs are going to go they're gps tracked and uh you've got that tracker and we we also were fortunate we had snow machines you know uh, i mean you know I, I learned you know out there in the west they call them snow machines you know we call them snowmobiles we got right. snowmobiling but yep. call them snow machines and uh you know it it is a adventure of a lifetime you're eating energy bars you're you're going 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 and uh, you're watching those those points, and so that being said, you know when you, you you see sort of the convergence of the GPS, you realize that you've got the cat treat. Mm -hmm. And so you know we've got the snow machines. We we get on and we go as far as we can, and then we still realize that we're like you know two and a half three miles from the tree, and that's as far as the snow machines can go because oh, they're not going to be. And these are not on trails. I mean, you're riding cross country on these things, and they're bouncing and swaying. And uh, you know, uh, albeit uh, he was highly skilled at it, my my skill level was uh, somewhat below his. But we we got there, went up there, and um, you know, it was it was something I'm glad I did. It was very very physically demanding. Uh, you know, as we're coming up. You know, it, we, we've a heart of buck fever, right? Mm -hmm. You see that just beautiful deer and, you know, you're no longer squeezing the trigger. You're jerking and your heart's going ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Oh, yeah. And you're all excited. Well, the same thing's happening. You, you've got this cat in a tree and you're looking at it and you, you, you're just like, and then you're trying to go back in your mind, at least I do, is like, think about everything that I need to do to steady my nerves, mm -hmm. to make sure that. I don't want to blow my opportunity because that's really all you can ask in hunting is an opportunity. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I, I'm there and the cat's there 
and uh, actually had an old Marlin uh, 336 35 caliber. Okay, right. so uh, 35 caliber. It was a uh, an older gun with a Tasco scope. Tells you how old it is. It was like a <laughs> 1971 model, which you know, uh, weapon. And uh, you know, I, I calmed down and you know, squeezed, and uh, you know, I was successful. And I have a neat picture, and everybody's like, oh, you're smiling. I'm like, no, it was 167 pounds. I was gritting my teeth because, you know, I'm not that big a guy, and I'm holding that cat up, and I'm like, that rascal was heavy. Wow. So, yeah. But it was – it was um, the, the walk back was much easier than the walk there on that. And I tell you, too, you know, the, the safety and everything of that nature, I, I have a Garmin inReach, and I did not uh, – take it on that trip i normally do because i wasn't expecting that and you know of course in alaska and that ability to at least have some ability to summon help mm -hmm. and you know as a as a hunter i think you've got to respect the fact that you know we all consider ourselves uh, pretty good outdoorsmen and outdoors people but you can get in over your head real quick mm -hmm. and you know sometimes you you, you know got to check that ego i know that when i was up in alaska i sure did well even in tennessee in some places it's it's wild enough that you could get lost or you know especially hunting alone yeah yeah get turned around and get dark quick or something you know well you know i mean look how fast hypothermia sets in mm -hmm. you know what i mean you, you, you're hiking you get hot that sweats on your body and then you stop the motion and then you start cooling down I mean, bad things can happen. I mean, you, you, all of that stuff that we, we get drilled into our head to take as safety gear, and then we're like, well, you know, maybe I'm not going to take that, you know. I always look at it, you know, I, I'd rather, as I was a Boy Scout, Eagle Scout too, by the way, uh, be prepared. Yeah. So, you know, understand that, you know, there are unfortunate eventualities that you can't plan for, and you better, you better look out for your own self. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, Alaska. Yeah, we'll get there before we run out of time. Hard, hard to believe we're 20 minutes in already. Yeah, I know. Um, My verbosity knows no bounds. Look at that. You know, I'm, I'm sort of shy, you know I mean, I, in case y'all didn't yeah. notice. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, moose, right? Is that what we went after moose? in Alaska? Absolutely. Absolutely. Lay it on us in, in the Bear Grease podcast. I talked about it before, but yeah. I'm, I'm enamored with it. Are you familiar with the Bear Grease podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it, man. They, they did a whole two or three series on Alaska. And he mentioned this, and I did not understand this about Alaska. 660,000 square miles. This is one state. California, Montana, and Texas will all fit inside Alaska. And we know how big those states are. So, Help me understand. Well, let me give you an example, right? Right. Being involved, basically, as wildlife officers and familiar with the state of Tennessee, we look at acreage, right? Because that's generally how we talk. So there was one ranger in the Wichick uh, uh, State Park, right? So you're like, okay, you know, one ranger, whatever. 1.67 million acres. Wow. Okay. That she patrolled? She patrols with a float plane. And obviously boats, watercraft, mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, a float plane because you know you you know can't strap the boat to the side of the float plane and fly up there and then go from yeah. there. And I mean, it was it was amazing. I tell you, I had not seen in the wild, but just on a few occasions. And this is kind of the the 
porcupines. Mm, I yeah. mean, you know what I'm I saying? I saw one when I was there. Yeah. And, and, and you're like, wow, you know? Yeah. I mean, we saw all sorts of, and everybody's like, do you see any bears? I'm like, yeah, like three or 400. I mean, because they're they're salmon fishing. You know, the bear, yeah. the, the salmon are uh, on the streams, and, you know, that's it, it's a resource for the bears to go eat. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking, you know, for all of the uh, bushes with the various berries and stuff like that. And I mean, the at the time that I was there about a month ago, the bears are all putting on weight because they're getting ready to hibernate. And, you know, they're big brown bears. And it is it is definitely sort of wild and woolly country. And you realize just I, I could sit there at some points just looking at these vistas and just awestruck and then thinking yeah. in my mind, there's not been another man or woman walk on some of these areas that I'm there. And, uh, you know, the moose in and of themselves, you know, they're solitary animals. Mm-hmm. And I think folks get some sort of a perspective that they're like a herd animal and they're just going to stand out there in the field and there's no patterning them. You know, we get used to all of these hunts with, you know, whitetail where we're going to set up our cameras and we're patterning them and we have an idea of what they're going to do. You can't pattern 1.7 million acres. It just, you know, it ain't going to happen. That's a lot of cameras. And so you're looking and, I, I mean, I've never seen an animal that large move that silently because you know the the ground cover so to speak is a bog in a lot of the areas up there in alaska and it's like walking on a wet sponge mm-hmm. so you're in waders by that like trout fishing waders with your uh, wader boots and the non-porous rubber sold so that you do not take you know with the felt waders uh you know uh if you will microorganisms from yep. one water source to another so that being said just big fan of those as yep, opposed definitely. to you know contamination but you're hunting and you're 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 working so hard i mean there were days that we had you know our our phone even though it's not working will count your steps over thirty thousand steps and you know Go hike 14 or 15 miles up and down knolls and through bogs uh, in waders. Mm. I mean, yeah. it, it will definitely uh, it, it will definitely get your attention. Uh, at the end of the day, there is no oh we're going to sit around the campfire and talk. You're going to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> just like a collapse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is an exhaustion. You pursued this moose eight days, eight full days, correct? Eight full days. Tell us how you keep your mind. Set. I, I tell you, it, 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 it's so different than like whitetail hunting, at least the whitetail hunting that I've done, in that, you know, at the end of the day, when you're cold and you're wet and you're clammy and it's been a long day and you've been sitting for 12 or 14 hours, you go in, you can get a hot shower, you can mm. change your clothes. Well, you know, when you're out there camping in Alaska, there ain't no hot shower. There's no changing the clothes. You better have the right gear, you know, because you're going to be uh, wet not only from sweat, but it's raining. And even with the best rain gear, and I had really good stuff, it doesn't matter in that it's just coming down in sheets. Mm-hmm. And there's no rhyme or reason. And there there were times where I, I literally was questioning my own sanity. You know, I had spent a sizable amount of money getting out there. I would bought my, my tags and everything. And then uh, I had obviously a guide fee. 
And I was like, I cannot believe that I've spent this kind of money because it's only a 10-day season. And, you know, there's a significant likelihood that I'm going to come back empty-handed. And not that I had resolved myself because you never give up. You know I mean? Ask Doug Flutie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You got to go for it. And so I kept hunting and hunting and hunting. And there it was. And out of the corner of my eye, came back the wrong direction. And, you know. Wow. Good Lord took care of it. It did. As they say, the blind squirrel found a few nuts. (laughs) Dropped him with a Bergara rifle. Bergara 300 PRC, Burris 4 by 20. And, you know, I do like to say one shot, DRT, dead right there. I mean, uh, just, you know, shot placement. Wow. That's I feel awesome. like we're just really getting into it. Here we are having to quit, man. I know. I know. Uh, this has been fun uh, just to be able to live through through you on some of these yeah. hunts and these stories. It's an honor to be asked. I mean, I really am. It's kind of a boyhood dream, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so tell us about your show in like 30 seconds. Well, how can they find your show? You know, uh, we are on WJBZ, uh, and so uh, we are there on 96.3, and it is the Weekly Law Roundup. It is on every Tuesday night from 6 to 7. Okay. You can stream it. Uh, you can pull it up, and we have various folks. And we've had folks from the TWRA. Matt's been on the show talking about you know hunting and fishing laws and things of that nature. Changes mm-hmm. in the same, yeah. and so just try to provide a good public resource and a uh, ability to educate the public. Very similar to what you guys are doing, which awesome. is fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, go check his show out. This has been fun. Uh, looking forward to maybe doing it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you. If you need a good lawyer in Knoxville, this is your guy. All right. And the best. <laughs> dressed one too right facts (laughs) all right well this is tennessee wildcast thanks for tuning in thanks for watching and we'll see you next time thanks for tuning in stay connected with twra by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on facebook twitter and instagram hey it's all about tennessee wildlife it's what we do tennessee wildcast will be on the air again next week We'll see you then.